Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 82 of Midweek Metagame. I'm Harry G, joined by my two regular co-hosts, Patrick Robertson. Evening, everybody. And Gabriel Nassif. Hey, 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 what's up? Well, well, well. A week has gone by, and I think, like, what, 150 Modern Horizons 2 spoilers have been released? Yeah, it's going to be a great discussion this week. We're not going to talk about much testing. We're just going to get straight into the conversation of all the good cards that have been released, uh, or spoiled, I should say. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, are we actually going to get into any other talk, by the way? I didn't actually clarify before the podcast started. I can't imagine, so I've barely played a game, but I've been just following the spoilers. Anyway. And talk really quick about the bad modern deck. I've been playing the Jeskai deck, but it's like, not oh, good. Gosh. Nah, okay, nah. so Modern Horizons 2 spoilers only this week, I yeah, guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. But we want to hop into things straight away, but would you like to support the podcast? Best place to do so is at patreon.com slash midweekmetagame. No pressure to do so, but that's the best place to support us. And uh, we're talking about spoilers all episodes, so I guess there's no time sense this week either. So let's hop straight into things, I guess. Pat, you had a few cards you wanted to mention at the start, so why don't you take it away? Right, okay. Uh, so if, if you're playing along at home, you can follow on mythicspoiler.com, uh, sort by newer spoilers, and we're starting from March tw- uh, May 20th. Uh, okay. So that'll kind of give everyone a kind of ballpark place to start. First thing I had on the list of things that I thought was interesting is Unmarked Grave. So Unmarked Grave is a sorcery that costs one black and one colorless. Search your library for a non-legendary creature. Put that card into your graveyard and shuffle your library. It's a non-legendary card, not creature. Oh, non-legendary card. Thank you very much. Okay, so it's kind of a kind of somewhat fixed in tomb. Doesn't let you go get Gristlebrand or whatnot or Emrakul's, even though Emrakul would shuffle back in. But I think that yeah, this sort of stuff has got a lot of potential. Uh, there's probably if you once we get further up, there's some more reanimation effects, and there's some old reanimation effects in standard uh, in in modern that don't see much play at the moment. I mean, this doesn't have doesn't work with Gorio's Vengeance because obviously non legendary, but kind of like footsteps of the Gorio let like you bring a creature back for a one turn and sacrifice the end of turn, like obvious connotations or cards that I think interact nicely with that. Cards like Protean Hulk, which lets you just kind of essentially kill on turn three. You go turn two, unmark grave, turn three, footsteps of the Gorio, and end step you sacrifice Protean Hulk and you kill them. How you kill them is kind of up to someone smarter than me to figure out, but there's obviously a million ways that you can kill with Protean Hulk loop uh in in modern i'm sure someone will know someone will know <laughs> yeah on my grave not is it good enough for dredge get a dredge card in the graveyard potentially dredge enabler dredge tutor maybe if you want to get your one ancient grudge or one conflagrate or one ox mm. seems like you're better off just playing cathartic reunion type of cards but could it enable anything besides Reanimator? Or maybe give you a little toolbox in your Reanimator deck? I think given the kind of pickup of Thrilling Discovery recently for Dredge, the spots for like getting Dredge cards in your graveyard are pretty hotly contested at the moment. Like, there's not much space in that deck at the moment. And it's already slow enough as it is, I think, that deck. It relies on its explosiveness to really get over on your opponent. I think the modern's kind of at a power level now where if you just go slow dredging, like if you went, if you just drew to eight cards in your turn and discarded, that's essentially what this is doing, right? Yeah. You're on the play and you just you just draw to, draw draw a card and then play it, pass that playing line and just get the game going like that. I just don't think it's good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe but, we should I mean, talk about the 
the the reanimator spell that's been spoiled too, even it got spoiled a bit later. I believe it's a black and one sorcery speed reanimate target non-legendary creature and put a minus one minus one counter on it, if I'm not mistaken. So I believe the card's you... called persist in reference persist. to the ability persist. Have you guys thought about the maybe two or three best creatures you can get in in modern that are not legendary? Because obviously it's like Gristlebrand, Emrakul, all these cards. Sundering Titan. Can't get that. You've got Sundering Titan. You've got, I think, Inkwell Leviathan is is legal. Sundering Titan does sound really good. Maybe oh, you, some... can get, you can get, what's the uh, what's that old angel called that's like Exile 5, Exile 3 creatures from Graveyard of Play? Uh, Retribution yeah. or Restoration? No. Or, Not no. Restoration Angel. Angel of Restoration. Anyways, yeah, I guess I put you guys on the spot. No one did, no one did their homework, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing pretty... there's nothing like too too great, but you guys think Reanimator is going to be good? You got Thoughtseize, you got the discard to back it up, but it seems so fragile. I think I mean, with no like dark ritual type effect, right? These decks are always going to be weak. You know, Reanimator is like a weak strategy in Legacy, and they have access to the, those effects. So, you know, anytime I see something like this, I'm I'm not really impressed. Uh, it seems nice. Honestly, I think the only real playable aspect of this card is that you can pay two mana to fetch for the uh, the flashback reanimator spell, maybe? I yeah, viral rights, yeah. Yeah, and then get back speed, Maybe. You know, you could maybe play some kind of instant speed game. You could also tutor, you know, just cling to dust. I, I don't know, yeah. Anyways, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe something... Yeah, I think this is obviously going to struggle against cards like uh, Force of Negation and whatnot and Counterspell yeah. that's getting printed now. But at the same time, like you said, access to a lot of hand disruption. Uh, there's the new card Grief that got spoiled as well, which you know essentially acts in you know fits fits very nicely essentially with this deck. Yeah. It's also a nice card that you can just if you're playing Reanimator, you can go Grief and oh, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later when we get to it. But it puts a creature in the graveyard that you can Reanimate with a card like Persist again. And so you get a little bit of synergy going there. I don't know. Pretty powerful card, though. Like you know, the potential to just turn three comp- turn three two card kill your opponent with something like Protean Hold. Yeah, exactly. Of- I mean, it's, it's the one, the first one you mentioned, and probably the if if there's one that's going to be good, it's going to be Hold combo, right? Yeah, it just has to. You have to kill fast. I mean, like like Harris said, it's a good point. Like we're not explosive. We're not going like ritual into him, reanimate, and then firing off stuff. So you got to really rely on going like turn one thoughts. These turn two into him turn three kill you not giving your opponent time to build that hand back up and uh find more interaction or ways to interact with the graveyard yeah all right up next profane tutor was the beautiful uh richard kane ferguson art oh it's it's so good to see yeah i will say they all look the same that looks like kind of the drain life probably of i think it's maybe the mirage drain life that he he made or I think he made one of the drain lives. Anyways, it's a sorcery, and it has suspend. So it's one of these weird sorcery that have no mana cost and just have suspend. It's suspend two, a black and a one, and then it's demonic tutor. So you can suspend it on turn two, and on your fourth turn, you get to tutor for free, quote unquote, and I guess get a storm count going, or who knows, but... um. You know, not bad, maybe, to invest the mana on two, and then on four, when you get to do your tutor, you're untapped, and you you have a better idea of what you need. Because sometimes you'll 
even demonic tutor you're on turn two and you're like well what should i even get i mean i guess that card really only gets played in in vintage or cube but you know in the cube you're like okay uh, i don't really want a tutor for a three mana card if you don't have like super something super powerful so maybe in modern it's the same way in some ways that maybe the suspense like a boon in some ways but uh interesting card as foretold is the enabler so i'm not sure what do you guys think that card's going to be played at all? I didn't consider it, but I think if you're playing As Foretold, you also want to play, like, Electro Dominance, right? Because you need all the ways to cast these cards. So it's really hard to judge without seeing people brew with them. But what I can say, though, is, you know, with them printing a lot of powerful black cards, you know, all the Storm decks right now in Modern, or the Storm deck is blue-red, I mean, if they keep printing powerful degen black cards you know it could go black red or grixis or blue black who knows so you know i'm interested to see what the combo players do and i definitely think that these things just buff combo yeah i totally agree seems like it to be sick in a deck like and nauseam you spin on turn two and by turn four you've got like that couple extra draw steps so you really know what to what you need you can get your one pact of negation that seems absurd against a control deck your one veil of summer main deck maybe who knows yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that getting your payoff, getting the tutor actually later down the line after you make your mana investments is actually really good here. And obviously the fact that you highlighted it to begin with that you just tutor and have your mana untapped. So it's not like you're like tapping out and then giving them a turn and then untapping and trying to go. You're, although you, your opponent sees it coming, you at least get to enter that turn with, with all your resources available. I, you know, I don't know what Homer has, but it's a pr- it's probably the most powerful tutor in modern. Yeah, it is a bit scary to play these cards if the Fairy Time Rattler is around. You've already mm. got a couple of cards. We'll see later that that makes you want to play to Fairy even more. So that's that could be one big downside. But uh, yeah, beautiful art and cool cards. Okay, well, I guess I'll go on to the next one um grief it's two and two black it's a creature elemental incarnation and has menace and when it enters the battlefield target opponent reveals their hand you may choose an online card from it that player discards that card it's got a vogue you can exile a black card from your hand and it's a three two so it's essentially what unmask but a three two menace um and obviously this card combos directly with ephemerate which I find funny because Ephemerate is being printed in this set, right? I feel like this is an insane two-card combo that would really suck to play against turn one. You know, turn one, you evoke this, let the Thoughtseize trigger resolve, take the removal spell, and then Ephemerate it and Thoughtseize them again. Then because you've Ephemerated it, it's not evoked. So then you go to your next upkeep and Ephemerate it again. <laughs> so you got three, three Thoughtseizes and uh, a 3-2 Menace. So... That's the idea behind it. I think this is going to buff like death and taxes, black, white, death and taxes. And it seems insane to me. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys think that this is something we should be concerned about? Because I've said a lot of talk about online. I also think it's very powerful and you can you can build around it. Like, for example, Ephemerate's really good with Scourge of the Skyclaves. Ephemerate's really good with Elite Spellbinder, I think it's called. All these cards. Flicker Wisp, Ephemerate's still good with. You know... While Death and Taxes don't want to play Ephemerate right now, uh, you you know if you give them a reason to play it in this card, I think it's going to be really good. No, 
There's actually a version of death and taxes that does play ephemerate. It's not really taxes. I mean, it has like flicker wisp, ether vial, stoneforge mystic. Uh, I forgot what else. The problem might be that it, there's not a ton of black cards you want to play in in that black white deck. You mostly want to be white. So it does require you to have, you know, also all the pieces in your opening hand. Mm. And it's possible your opponent kept, you know, a two spell, five land hand, and you're going to break once, maybe even twice if they're on the play, who knows. So it'll have to see in practice. In theory, it does sound nice, the whole ephemerate combo, but um, there's also a lot of good cards getting printed and, you know, so many good cards, so... We'll see, I agree. And also just turn four, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Just four mana, free two manas, take a look-see, discard a card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, someone in the Twitch chat mentioned something quite important that I see a lot of the argument, you know, oh, you're trading three cards for three cards, but you get a three-two. Well, there's a bit of a difference, right? Because you get to choose which three cards you're using, but, you know, you're stripping away your opponent's hand, right? You're taking away the best three cards from them. So it's a lot more powerful than then just the idea of you're trading three for three, right? Because you're getting the information of what they're doing. You're getting to choose the best cards out of their hand and you're essentially removing, uh, you know, whatever. I say removing cards from your hand. You're interacting, right? You're turning these three cards to a Thoughtseize plus a three-two. And the effect is what, like, you know, each player discards three cards, you get a three-two. I mean, that would be probably ban-worthy in modern, right, to to strip everyone's hands and you get a creature. I think this is insanely powerful. But something to note, I think, is that um, how many black cards would you think you need to play, right? For Because you mentioned, oh, Death and Taxes doesn't play that many black cards. You know, what, what do you think people would have to do to build a deck for the, that to be playable? I mean, I think it depends what turn you want to actually fire your bullets. If you if you really going all if you really need to be exiling cards to cast grief on turn one a lot, mm-hmm. like maybe you're better off looking at a card like Inquisition or Thoughtseize. But if you're looking if you've got if you're happy happy casting it on, you know you know if you if you want to just grief grief the hand with, without paying any mana later in the game, maybe you can get away with like sixteen twenty black cards or something like that in your deck. Other copies of grief work for this as well, but like if you're all in on trying to like use it early on. Like on turn one, I think you probably need a lot of black cards, like twenty plus, to reliably do it. I mean, think about the kind of ratios you want with fourth negation as well. It's essentially analogous. I think you get it, can get away with sixteen. Sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, you can if you just in taxes alone, you could look at like you know moving into trying to play cards like Tide Hollow Scholar or like Kaitel Freebooter and uh, to supplement the kind of hand disruption aspect. I mean, Scholar works quite nicely with Ephemerate already because when you exile it. They they get the return trigger before you get the discard before you discard, take the card from their hand. So the card that you take with the initial trigger is just locked away forever. Yeah, I can think of so many good cards like Fatal Push, Kaya's Guile, all the cards that Esper Control plays. Basically, you could play Kaya. I mean, there's a lot of black cards, and I think if you're playing like what slightly suboptimal black cards for this really good turn, I don't see why. That would be that bad when the core deck is very powerful. Like, I don't know. I just to me this seems really, really good. You could play like Inquisitions and Thought Seasons as well if you want to be full rip, you know, rip yeah. apart their hand. Look, 
I mean, I, I look at this card and I, I start wondering where its home actually is in a format like Modern. We're not all DGen combo decks in Modern at the moment. Modern's actually quite fair right now. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the pride of the printing of this set, like, it's not, we're not going to try and project forward what this set's going to do entirely. But, you know, Unmask isn't a card that sees much play in Legacy outside of dedicated, like, fast combo decks. So, do we really want to, like, two for one ourselves to interact that regularly? Is this a card you'll play in, like, Jund? I don't really know. I suspect that it's not. I think this is a card that's going to see play when you're trying to abuse it with a card like Ephemerate, or if you're really just trying to go all in on uh, ripping your opponent's hand apart before you do some kind of busted thing, maybe like the reanimator stuff we were talking about previously, or you know, a different kind of combo. I think something you're missing there, though, specifically is while Simon Spirit Guide is banned and Cascade decks have disappeared, it now gives uh, the option for any Cascade deck to have basically a discord spell post board right so that may come down you know may come up down yep. the line i guess if guide wasn't banned and living end was still somewhat playable i feel like that would be really good <laughs> right like you evoke it sack it and then when you living end, you get a thought seize as well i think that's yeah pretty decent but def- i guess that was their i was just following plan. that sort of stuff away and under busted things yeah, true, true, true. I'm I'm trying to accompany every casual deck. Come on, there but, must be a listener that plays Living End. <laughs> dude, that actually sounds really sick that you get access to these these cards in a deck like Living End and, and Cascade. I really like that. I didn't see anyone mention that yet. I yeah. was thinking of... Uh, the cycle of, is a black too, right? Yeah. I was thinking of Vengevine. You know, in Vengevine decks, it's a free creature. You have already some black creatures. So that's, a, that's another one. You're going to have... I think mean, there's couple other cards that could be good in, in the bench find deck so yeah we'll see we'll see but uh that card seems strong maybe just if that reanimator deck or combo deck's any good maybe you want something like grief for some reason i mean it seems worse than thoughtsies but maybe there'll be some ways to use the the creature the body the creature in your yard for some reason yeah you know i, I think this is definitely one of the a card's got a lot of open-ended power and, and utility in in in, in modern. I, I can't see quite where its home is supposed to be, but undoubtedly I will find one. Um, should we move on to something? Yeah. Something something else. I mean, uh, yeah. People, grief has been the kind of talk of the talk of social media for the last week or so. Why don't we look at Dakon Shadow Slayer, one of the new Planeswalkers? Okay. So. This is Legendary Planeswalker Dakon. Uh, it costs uh, one of each Esper mana, so a white, a blue, and a black cast. Zero loyalty. Uh, but when it comes into play, you put a number of loyalty counters on it equal to the number of lands you control, which is a kind of nod to the original Dakon Blackblade from uh, Legends, I believe, which yeah, has power and toughness equal to the number of lands you control. Anyway, so the, the Planeswalker abilities on... On deck on our plus one surveil two, so scry two, but put the put the cards you don't want in the graveyard. Uh, minus three exile creature, and minus six you may put target artifact card from your hand or graveyard onto the battlefield. Do we think this card's like got potential? I I, I see I see the I see a, a lot of a lot of utility in a planeswalker that can come into play and immediately kill a creature, especially like for a low mana cost later in the game. Like we look at the card like Teferi. Uh, Hero of Dominaria and say, hey, isn't this really great? Because it's kind of five drop, but it also actually only costs three mana, essentially, because you want to have two lands. Here, you just have a Planeswalker that costs three mana that you play later in the game, kill a creature, protect it with a counter spell or whatnot. And 
move on with your life. But it's also a powerful three drop at the same time, where you just put in the plans and tick it up. Kind of has a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of power behind it, I think. And maybe just looking for you know a role playing slot in a deck like Esper Control. Honestly, looking at this, it just seems like a very worse like Teferi Time Raveler, right? Like I feel if the minus three exiled an enchantment i'd be way more happy to play this but you know what makes teferi time raveler good as a three mana walker is that it gets rid of basically anything whereas this planeswalker only really gets rid of creatures and i feel like as a control player you're faced with more problematic permanents rather than problematic creatures in the format even though a lot of decks are aggro decks like i'm fine with the plus one being surveilled too because teferi time raveler is great and the plus one does nothing like what 40 percent of the time so i feel like if minus three was exile creature or enchantment it would be more playable or maybe if it was minus two so i could play on turn three and it doesn't die um but i feel like there are too many downsides with that if you minus it on turn three it's dead and you know it doesn't beat blood moon clothis like a, a load of things that you you want your planeswalkers to deal with, uh, like because you're essentially playing this over to Fairy Time Raveler, right? And if you're going to play, and I just don't see that being reasonable. I guess as well, why would you want to put it in? You know, the minus six doesn't really do anything as well for for control. So you'd put it in an artifact deck, and I don't really see what the minus six would do for an artifact deck either. So I don't know, Gab, you're, you're the better control player. What do you think? Yeah, I read this card and I was not impressed. I feel like for that card to be good, you really have to use all the modes well. You need to care about the surveil. So it would be Esper Reanimator with some artifact targets. And if you're not using every bits of it, I feel like it uh, it's underpowered compared to what you have access to. These days in modern, we're talking about Esper Control. Most people right now don't even play Teferi Time Raveler. They play a Jaysor 2 and some Hero of Dominarias. You also have Narset. So yeah, I would agree with you, Harry. I don't think it's good. I think if you find a way to maximize every ability, then maybe you got something. Well, what if? What about if we kind of loop back around to what we're talking about at the beginning and we have that Entomb for Sundering Titan? and reanimates Sundering Titan, but we also have the ability to put this into play and say minus six and put Sundering Titans from our hand or our graveyard into play. Yeah, exactly. If, you know, it's utility on turn three, lets you dict your pieces, your combo pieces, maybe you're under a lot of pressure, get rid of a creature. And, um, you know, if, if you're playing that kind of Esper control-ish reanimator deck, you can get six mana and just turns into a reanimation spell. But that seems kind of a janky deck to me yeah it's probably it. it's probably not probably not good enough but I, I i was quite enamored with it and i like the tip of the hat to the old the old card uh, totally want to want to take the next one yeah so on that same day or set may 20th we got reshad and duck hand which is a merfolk for blue it's a one two it has island walk and it has the original reshad and port ability uh, one tap target, uh, tap target uh, land. So one, two for one, doesn't die to Lavadart, has Island Walk, which is kind of whatever, because you're going to probably play it in Merfolk and have Lords that will give him Island Walk anyways. 
But um, yeah, Rashad and Portability. I saw that card. I thought it was really strong. Murphle could use another one drop. They don't have that great of one drops. And the, the stats are decent. And it's early pressure. And it can buy you... I mean, you know, it's Rashad and Port. You can start using on turn two if you have nothing else to do. You kind of choose when you use the port. For those who never played with Rashad and Port, it was played even in control decks. It was played in all type of decks. You would think it has more of an aggressive card, you know, kind of deploy your threats and then you can tap down their lands because you're not using your mana anyways. But people just played it in mono blue because... You needed kind of you kind of needed to fight against other ports. You know, port your port is such a classic, and um, yeah, I think that card's really really strong. Whether you use it in the early turns, you use it to tap a land. You know, the the one mana they're missing for their sweeper on their turn four that buys you that one turn. Merfolk has played spreading seas in the past that that adds up to you can manage through someone. So we'll see, but I think it's strong. I definitely think this is a card that will get played in Merfolk. Whether it has any home in any other deck, I don't expect so. This is obviously not a card that's anywhere near the power level of Richard and Port, but I think that the combination of the creature type Merfolk and the spot on the curve that it fits, you know, like you pointed out, one one man is not uh, not a particularly uh, not a particularly strong point on the Merfolk mana curve. I mean, they have they want to play Aetherfile, obviously on turn one if they can, but apart from that, what do they really have? So yeah, Doc Hand goes goes really nicely into that deck and can you know buy you time against a card like Supreme Verdict, just enough time for you to get 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 over on them. So yeah, probably good when you played there, but I don't I don't see a utility anywhere else. I'm really afraid of this card, not actually because of this card, but don't forget, Merfolk is getting counterspell. So the lines seem insane to me if you think about it with this Aethervile and Counterspell. So they're always tapping my land on my upkeep, violing in a two-drop and holding up Counterspell. Potentially a Force of Negation as well. Merfolk is getting an insane buff, and I don't think it's even because of this. I think this is really good, but I think Counterspell is even better. So, I f- And Merfolk was the best tribal deck for a while now. You know, so... <laughs> I think it's going to be great. I mean, I guess Merfolk's kind of nerfed because everyone's playing Lightning Bolts and stuff right now, but it's a 1-2, so it gets around Dart, whereas the other one doesn't get around Dart, right? The 1-1 one, one that you can, like, put a counter on it and loot or something. So I, I really like it, um, and I think Merfolk is going to get really good really fast. I, I'm scared what Nikachu's going to do. I'm not going to lie. Well, I think we should look at the next one, which... Cause a lot of discussion on social media. We have Prismatic Ending. It's X and a white. It's a sorcery with Converge. Exile target non-land permanent if its mana value is less than or equal to the number of colors of mana spent to cast this spell. Um, straight away, you know, my initial thoughts, sorcery, that's really bad. Also, I feel like this is more of a sideboard card than a main deck card if you're going to play in something like Blue-White Control. And, you know, what fits that slot i was thinking celestial purge you play this over celestial purge and i just don't think it's worth it i think the only metagame where i'd want to play prismatic ending is with a heavy chalice of the void metagame because it's exile target non-land permanent so you know you can just pay a white plus x where x is you know makes it not the cost or the number of counters on chalice of the void so you can exile it Slim interaction, I don't really see... And obviously it removes Planeswalkers as well, but I, do, I don't really see 
why you'd want to play this sorcery when you you have better, more specific cards that you can cast at instant speed that do a lot more. So, you know, what do you, what do you guys think of the card? Uh, this card looks really good to me. Um, it's Path to Exile. It's Celestial Purge, like you point out. So it kills Death Shadows and all the one drops from, from Prowess on turn one. It kills Renin 6. It kills Teferi Time Raveler. All at all trading mana efficiently. And honestly, like the, these blue-white decks have been really wanting uh, a, that kind of secondary removal spell outside of Path to Exile. I mean, sometimes they branch out into three, three colors. Like we talk about Esper Control, so they have like pushes and paths. This card's just so flexible. I mean, Engineered Explosives is a really powerful magic card, and this is a much more efficient card that has the same level of flexibility. I'd be I'd be stunned if this doesn't kind of become a staple in white in white like blue white decks basically or multicolor multicolor blue control decks that have access to white mana. So I guess I have, have to have to uh, be the deciding vote. I'm with Harry. Sorcery speed. Ah. I think that card's incredibly mediocre. Maybe as a sideboard card in a spot where in the past you wanted isolate. It's kind of a flexible isolate. It can get rid of an amulet of vigor and potentially, you know, the game goes on. You kill a dryad or kill a titan. But sorcery speed such a huge no-no in control. Maybe in other strategies that don't care about sorcery speed as much it also has tough competition coming up from the the new dungeon and dragon set uh, with portable hole which is a white artifact when it enters the battlefield you exile target non-man permanent and open and controlled with mana value two or less so it does what convergence does for one mana except you get you know you get a ren and six for one mana instead of two which is pretty big deal so i'm not seeing it and you know History has sold us, you know, it, it has taught us anything that sorcery spell removal spell just doesn't end up getting played much. Yeah, uh, what can I say? I mean, easy, easy clap, Pat. All right. <laughs> well, you were right about expressive iteration lately. If we look at our very recent track record, so I'm curious to see if you're you're right about this one. But I I would be shocked. Okay, all right, no worries. All right, so the next card I've got on my list is Fractured Sanity. Fractured Sanity costs blue, blue, blue. So three blue color, three blue mana. It's a sorcery. Each opponent mills fourteen cards. Cycling one blue and one colors. When you cycle Fractured Sanity, each opponent mills four cards. Mill's a deck that's been showing up a lot re- recently. I mean, I see a lot of lists of Magic Online that have one Kozilek in their sideboard or, you know, pick your Eldrazi of choice. And because they really just cannot beat Mill, I think that the addition of Ruin Crab to the kind of one-mana creature arsenal uh, means that Mill is, like, robust game plan, a lot of redundancy, and also access to Lurus, which is a very powerful uh, effect, as everyone probably well aware of at this point in time. And this card slots right into that deck. One of the problems I find with Mill in general, like often when I play against it, is that if you can really stop your opponent kind of getting their game rolling, so like if you kill their Ruin Crab or their Hedron Crab, then really they are just casting Lightning Bolts at your face and they have to deal a lot of damage. Uh, if you can counter cards like Glimpse the Unthinkable or, Ar- and, or keep them off activating Archive Trap easily, then it's really hard for them to kill you. So just having access to more cards that do a lot, Mill a lot of cards is obviously really quite powerful, 
but in combination with that, having that ability to kind of churn through their deck is really important as well. And so the cycling aspect of this is the card, the thing that makes it quite good, I think, in that deck. Being able to spend your mana to just move through your deck and progress your game plan, activating cards like, or, t- or turning on cards like, uh, what's the draw three cards? Visions of Beyond? Mm-hmm. Or getting closer to turning the cards like that on while also just kind of cycling through your deck, I think is... There's a lot of te- there's a lot of ways this card boosts the deck like cycling, and I think it's a, an auto- automatic inclusion. Mill when I saw this card, cycling. I was just like, I don't know, I'm just not imp- like it. Obviously, goes in the deck, but I'm just not impressed with it. Every time I play against Mill, they always have basic swamp in play early on. I was just thinking this is so hard to cast for them. I also think well, like the cycling looks good, but cycling for two mana. That's a whole turn for Mill. All their cards are two mana, right? Unless you're saying, like, cycle it turn four, and then if you're cycling it turn four, why aren't you casting it? So I really... I think they have to play this because it's just, like, good, right? But I just don't think it, like, makes Mill suddenly viable, you know? I just... I'm not convinced. Right? Like, for example... Uh, what's it called? The Crab, the most recent Crab. I don't know what it's called. That got printed, and Mill still isn't even that good. Well, I, right? I disagree like, with that. I think Mill's been showing up recently. I mean, I've, we've seen it win a challenge over the last couple of months. It People pay attention to it enough to put cards like Cosalek like in the sideboard of their control decks just so they don't have a... They don't have a or they have a shot in that matchup. I think that Mill's like... I think that Mill's like secretly quite a good deck. The problem with Mill, play. though, right, is it's... it's There's a difference between, like, Mill and Dredge. Like, Dredge, when Dredge becomes good, everyone plays Graveyard Hay, and they can still kind of beat Graveyard Hay. Whereas Mill, your your opponent's basically guaranteed to have the Kozilek, right, unless they're unlucky and draw it. I feel like Mill can just never really be a deck because everyone just plays Kozilek when it becomes good, right? Am I, am I wrong about this? No, you're, I think you're right that it gets really tough. I know they play surgical extraction and whatnot, but my personal track record is that I'm basically undefeated against Mill whenever I have um, one of these draws in my sideboard. The only game I ever lost was because I flipped my Eldrazi to Dark Confident a couple times in the same game. So that's kind of a nando. But uh, yeah, really tough. I agree with both of you. I think it's good and it might see play i'm not a male specialist so i'm not sure what you're going to cut for it but i also agree that it's not going to change the deck you know it's not going to make it better i feel it's going to make it so martially better if it does make it better that that card seems you know kind of whatever to me yeah, fair enough okay what's right. next on the table then <clears throat> i'm guessing Sorry. it's void mirror pat if i'm going up the list it is, it is, but I just wanted to flag one one card that I've seen on the spoiler and loops back into what we've been talking about. We were talking about creatures that are good to reanimate, and then the next card on, on the spoiler is actually really good to reanimate, I think. So Sarah's Emissary. It's a creature angel. It's a 7-7 flying. It costs white, 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 and four. Uh, when it comes into play, choose a card type, and you and creatures you control have protection from the chosen card type. That card seems like a, a pretty powerful non-legendary creature to to reanimate. I just want, I want kind of wanted to flag that before we moved on. So you're naming either creature or land, or instant probably. Yeah, creature or instant. Yeah. 
or enchantment if you're or planeswalker even if you think your opponent's going to cast like Teferi Time Raveler or whatnot. Yeah, it's just sort of like playing that Iona role. Yeah, I mean, it seems good. I just don't see like obviously getting it on the table is good, but it's getting it on the table that's the problem, right? There's no real consistency with Reanimator and Modern. I feel. Well, well, think about uh, they're obviously trying, but it's not just it's, it's not, not just they can't cast them. It's you have to protect. It's, it's you have protection from this card type. So like, if you name creature, the creatures they haven't played don't deal damage to you anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you put into play against like a bit like prowess or whatnot, their creatures don't kill you. If you name instant, they can't cast instant. They can't cast instant targeting it or you, so they can't burn you. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good job yeah. of shutting people off. It's like almost like Platinum Angel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was skeptical, but. For sure, if you have you're playing that old school in tomb strategy and you've got your silver bullets, get that against humans, right? Can't reflect from age it. And what are they gonna do? They can't kill you anymore. It's just game, right? Yeah, I think that cards like if you're gonna build a reanimated deck, it's probably in your seventy five. Yeah. Alright, yeah. I think we should move on to Void Mirror though. So who's the biggest Tron hater? I don't hate Gab. Tron. I'm a I'm it's a not Gab? hater. No, I don't especially hate Tron. Alright, it's you the narrow. Uh, I don't care about Tron. Really? Either. I don't hate Tron. I've played Tron before. Okay, fine. Void Mirror. I've also done the last few, so you can do this one. Convert a mana cost of two. It's an artifact. It says, whenever a player casts a spell, if no colored mana was spent to cast it, counter that spell. So it counters all colorless spells, but it also counters something, for example, Bring to Light. Um, You know, if you cast Bring to Light and then cast a spell, obviously you spent no mana to cast it. I guess Cascade as well, if you really want to list off all the things. For some negation. Yeah, Force of Negation, I guess, Grief as well. Ephemerate, coming off Suspend. Uh, I guess, what, other other cards like As Foretold. It has applications, very thin, narrow applications, but it's good against Tron and Bring to Light, I would, I would say. Yeah. Um, looks Looks really good, looks like a great sideboard card. Tron recently has not been playing too many claims, nature's claims in the sideboard, but if they want to keep going, they'll have to. What's the what's the counterplay to uh Blast Zone? To Void Mayor besides uh you got Blast Zone, you got Cavern well, that still works, have, right? Just have a forest in play. Mm. Because you, you just oh. play green mana in your Yeah, this card's con. not good then. Yeah, this card ain't good. If that works, you can craft chromatic sphere out of green mana. Yeah, that, this is terrible. Then this is terrible. Yeah, this guy's got no text. <laughs> well, I didn't realize it was that bad. I thought it was good and gonna be a. So I think it's actually quite good against a deck like Eldrazi Tron, but it's not good against Green Tron. Do they so play Eldrazi... Urborg still? No. Well, I guess Eldrazi Tron has to start playing like a basic or two. Like a colored basic, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Man, that's yeah. gonna make my path to exiles worse. Stupid void mirror. <laughs> I'm I'm actually quite happy that it's like symmetric because it, it'll be a pretty boring con con wish target. Yeah. Oh, you can use cavern of souls. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, can cavern through fun. it. All right, sounds like there's a decent amount of counterplay. All right, yeah. anyways, we'll see. But I don't really want to talk about that card. Doesn't sound like you guys want to talk about it either. No, certainly not. I just wanted to kind of point out that it's not as good as it looks on paper. No, definitely. I, I totally. I mean, I haven't thought about it much, but great points. Yeah. Okay, well, I think we should jump straight up to Gris the Hunger Tide, unless there's anything better. Oh, can I just can I just have one one quick nod to Patriarch's bidding? Go on so, then. Patriarch's bidding is a, a reprint from Onslaught, I think. 
Gavin probably know. It's three colors and two black sorcery. Each player chooses a creature type and return all creatures of the chosen type from their graveyard to play. Yeah, as honestly, classic goblins combo card. Yeah, goblins combo. The OG, the OG is actually, even though goblins was really good in onslaught, it was actually a beast deck that people played at the Pro Tour. I remember it had the um, blue and X. I think Camille. I played against Camille Cornelison. He was playing that deck. And it had the blue NX card that draws you cards, something runes, and you have to discard a card or sacrifice a permanent for each card. Yeah, read the runes, I think it's called. So, yeah, maybe read the runes. And they were playing a bunch of beasts and reanimating beasts. And then obviously, I think Goblin's been, after that, historically, the deck, the, the deck that's used that card the most. But yeah. Yeah, I, it's a card that I've often, well, not often, but when, when they started printing those like good goblins relatively recently, I kind of wondered if it was legal or not, and now it is. And they also reprinted Goblin Bombardment as well, which is a pretty big game, I think, if you start thinking about trying to find ways to make your kind of your goblins deck have combo kill or a lot of reach. So that deck gets a pretty big boost, I think. But yeah, let's go to Grist, Grist the Hunger Tide, Harry. And as Harry would say, well, 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 wrist the hunger tide. It's a one black and green, so it's a three mana planeswalker that has a very nice static. As long as Grist the Hunger Tide isn't on the battlefield, it's a one one insect creature in addition to its other types. And it has plus one, create a one one black and green insect creature token, then mill a card. If an insect card was milled this way, put a loyalty counter on Grist and repeat this process. Then minus two is you may sacrifice a creature. When you do, destroy target creature or planeswalker. And then the ultimate or minus five is each opponent loses life equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard and enters the battlefield with three loyalty counters. Now, I think we can all agree that this is quite a mediocre planeswalker for the modern format uh, specifically. You know, it's got a plus one to make it one, one, whatever. It's got a minus two to to sack a creature, to destroy a creature or planeswalker, which... Is not great, it's not bad, and then the minus five is kind of like um, Kaya's ultimate. Um, and I thought, at first, this card is, is terrible, and then I realized what's actually good about this card is it reminds me a lot of Clothis, in a sense that it's like a mediocre card that is very easy to stick on the table because it's it's a creature on the stack, and it's also really annoying to deal with. So, for example, if you're playing something like Elves, right? Elves can use Court of Calling to get this out of their deck, sack one of their crappy Elves, and kill the Jace or whatever. Or you could hard cast this when your opponent taps out for Jace. Boom, you can kill the Jace because they can't force it because it's a 1-1 creature on the stack. So being a 1-1 creature on the stack, in the hand, in the deck, I feel like there's a lot of exploiting or, or ways you can abuse this static to kind of annoy control players like i thought you know this is not like a card you play multiple copies of but at least one in the 75 and your cocos and court of calling seem to be kind of uh, nuts against any deck that's playing force of negation that's kind of what all i really had with my opinion of this card i wanted to know what uh you guys thought of it it kind of reminds me of liliana the plus one and the minus two the same starting loyalty but yeah, I think you nailed it. The passive is huge. Uh, you mentioned company. I heard uh, people mention unearth. You can unearth it. Mm. I'm not sure if you guys have other scenarios where it's especially good. We you mentioned for some negation. I don't know, Pat, if there's other like sweet interactions. 
I know you can summon his pact for it. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I honestly, this is the sort of card where my brain doesn't work properly for these sort of cards. I can't see. I can't see the scenarios that come up where you like. Yeah, I just. Yeah, I can't. I can't envision how this card plays out in, in in practice, and it's so likely to go in decks that are kind of outside of my like range of things that I'm good at, or things that I have a lot of practice in. That I, it's, it's doubly doubly difficult, I find. But yeah, just the things you're pointing out, like it just it should it should see play. Uh, it's like the perfect kind of complement to a deck like you know, maybe that green black Yogmoth deck, which has a lot of undying mm-hmm. creatures. So you get a lot. You can immediately just kind of get value off the minus two when it comes into play. Um. It actually interacts like semi positively with various copies of itself because, you know, if you, obviously if you mill over a copy of it, it it, it benefits you benefit in the plus one and also the minus abil- the the ultimate ability. There's a lot of text on it. It has a lot of subtle in- implications in the way the format plays out at the moment, especially like the role of planeswalker versus control, like you pointed out. So yeah, too complicated for me to really say if it's great or not, but too much text for me to deny its deny its potential. Yeah, so basically, it's probably only going to be really good if you can exploit the the fact that it's a creature outside of the battlefield. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's next on our list? Not sure. The priest is somewhat decent. Yeah, sure. Go for it. So it's a 2-2 human warlock for black and white, 2-2 two, two for 2, and it has tap, pay free life, sacrifice a priest, Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, activate only as a sorcery. And it has unearth of free, a white, and a black. So it it's zombie the ability is zombify. And it also has unearth, so it has extra value. So you can run it on turn two, untap, get a, a, a creature in your graveyard. It can be legendary, no restriction there. So, you know, kind of Easy to kill, sitting duck, but at the same time, it punishes you pretty heavily if you let people on tap with it. You can bring it back with Unearth, maybe as well. Unearth, uh, uncounterable ability as well for the control matchup. Yeah, good point. So, who knows? It's 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 pushed, but does it have the supporting cast? Well, I think this is a kind of obvious card that would go in now. Our toolbox reanimated deck that we've been kind of referring to repeatedly. Yeah, that's a good point. You can you can tutor for it, put it in your graveyard with the, the tutor, and then you have the nerf ability, yeah? Yeah, and, and it acts as kind of redundancy on all your reanimator effects as well. Just so you just have, like, you know, get to play, like, 8 or 10 reanimation effects. Yeah, I, I think this card's probably quite good if that deck is powerful or, or playable. And then I think that it probably plays that card. Yeah, it seems, seems all right. I'm not. I'm not too impressed. It'll probably be good though. All right. What about subtlety then? Subtlety. Straight. Uh, you're 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 skipping a kitchen imp. Yeah. I was gonna ask you guys about kitchen imp if you heard anything that sounds impressive so far. Kitchen imp's two two haste flyer for four mana, black and free, and it has madness one black. So I see the huge appeal is a one black mana cost. Um, I don't think there's anything like. Tutu busted, you can do. All right, let, let's move on. Didn't even on, think then. that guy was close to playable. No, I was thinking. I was thinking. Chef's kiss looks really good. No. Wait. Do you got? Do you actually understand what Chef's kiss does? My brain is. You're gonna. Have does, to hear it. I, I thought I did. 
gain right, control let's, of let's target spell. Okay. I, I really hope I read this card right. I'm not a good reader, though. So it's one and double red, so it's three mana. It's an instant. And it says, gain control of target spell that targets only a single permanent or player. Copy it, and then reselect the targets. Oh, targets at random? <laughs> oh, I, I did not read that. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was random. Okay. Yeah, this card's bad. Should we just... Whatever. Copy it, then re reselect the targets at random for the spell, and the copy, the new targets can't be you or a permanent you... Yeah, this card's terrible. I, I, what I thought is, it was like... Yeah, yeah, this... No, just move on, move on. Next, someone take it from me. Someone take it from me. All right, yeah. I'll, do, I'll do subtlety then. Right, so oh. subtlety is another elemental incarnation in the, the vein of grief. It's a two blue and two colors for... A, 3-3 three, three Flying Flash creature, and when it enters the battlefield, you choose up to one target creature spell or Planeswalker spell. Zona puts it on top of the battle, top or bottom of its owner's library, uh, and Evoke Cost is Exile Blue Card from your hand. So this is just uh, another free spell. It's a little bit like Aether Gust in that it, it uh, it's like a counter spell that doesn't uh, necessarily counter, it just puts it on the top of the, you know, the, the spell's controller goes on, does it go on the top of the bottom. I think this is probably a card that sees some amount of play in modern. Being only good against creatures and planeswalkers is a bit pretty, pretty solid restriction, but at the same time, it also covers a lot of space that um, uh, Force of Negation doesn't. And blue control decks are pretty well set up to actually take advantage of the 3 3 flying flash body later in the game as well. So I think it's probably a pretty powerful card. Not completely insane, but uh, definitely going to play a role in modern. Yeah, I could see it. I think it's really good. Same vein as Force of Negation. Force of Negation sees a ton of play, except that Force of Negation can just be dead in your hand if they're not doing anything. This one, you just get to run the body out there if you want to. It gives you a little bit of game against Cavern of Souls. So that that's always nice. There's so many good cards printed. Um, there's so many good blue cards printed and who knows who knows if that cards end up seeing a ton of play or how many copies you play but seems yeah. seems good to me it's kind of it's it's sitting in that space where like kind of Venser might sit as well where like do we really have enough space in our deck for cards like case of mine's called the cryptic command subtlety and all this sort of stuff but on the plus side this card actually is at least free if you need to play it off you know need it need to fit somewhere else in your curve do you like to tarry? I mean, you, you're kind of the control just guy. Any... I feel like this card is more something that you'd want or could see play, sorry, in like an ephemerate deck. I just don't see this being played in control at all. Uh, if it's going to be played in control, it's probably a sideboard card. And I, I don't know why you'd want to play this over anything because you're so limited and you don't really... Like, having your free spell only be a creature or planeswalker, I mean, force already gets planeswalker. Creature, what's the only real creature you want to force, like, desperately? Titan. Like, what, Primeval Titan? And you've got Gus for that? I guess it says choose, so it gets around Cavern, which is nice, right? But I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan, honestly. I, it'll see play, but I don't think it's, like, some broken card, you know? Yeah, I think I totally agree. It was Harry thinking about it for a few more seconds and listening to you. Maybe one in the main, one one or two in the sideboard. If you really yep. want that effect, 
yeah yeah i'm certainly of the opinion these are cards that like that are not automatic four offs or anything like that in the same way with grief as well i just yeah. don't i don't see where its home is in large numbers in a formula like modern yeah i mean it costs way too high you just can't trade two cards to put their swift here back on top of their deck on turn one you're not winning that you're not winning a game where you do that no especially since those decks have so much like actual card advantage and now with like explosive explosive iteration and light up the stage yeah you obviously have chase to make up for it but even even that's not enough i think i do like the, i do like the notion that you can you have all your bases covered essentially if you tap out for a card like jace you can have force and you can have subtlety up and so you just can't really get burnt i think having some amount of flexibility there is can go quite a long way but again it probably amounts to one or two copies in your 75. yeah all right i think you maybe skipped a card zabaz the glimmer what the glimmer wasp one yeah sure let's talk about it one mana legendary artifact creature insect it has modder one so it's a zero zero it has a modder one it has a bit of text if a modeler triggered ability would put one or more plus one plus one counters on a creature you control that many plus one that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on it instead it has a red activate or you know red destroy target artifact you control and a white against flying so it's a super buffed argon worker it has the same base stats as argon worker zero zero model or one and it has the two abilities the one for red the one for white and the passive which is somewhat of a, a hardened skill but only for modeler so it's a you know if if modeler is played if affinity is played that card seems pretty powerful. Argon Worker was usually a four of. I'm not exactly sure what modern looks like these days in modern, but that card's definitely very pushed. Yeah, it's got a lot of text on it. There's actually a whole bunch of uh, affinity enabling creatures in this format, in this in this set that have been spoiled. There's, I mean, if we just jump ahead a little bit, there's a card called Arkban Shikari, which is a one one colorless red and white for. a essentially a 2-2 modular first strike and when it comes in, comes into play you put a plus one plus one counter on all the artifacts you control so there's a whole bunch of uh cards that are trying to like push you towards playing tempered steel style artifact beat down decks and if that deck is good i can imagine Zabaz being good in it and if people want to start trying to turn back towards like the the old kind of hardened scale style you know with the kind of green hardened scales decks then it's definitely an immediate upgrade of a card like Arkham worker yeah it combos was i see argon ravager really well but does it combo with anything else it basically feels like a big buff for argon ravager and kind of that's about it i think it combos with itself right just if you have multiple copies you get to play and sack it because it's legendary really that's that's why we pay you the big bucks sorry yeah yeah i i think that's quite relevant oh c- certainly i mean it just gives you card plus two plus two right I don't want to spend too much talking about rules, but if you have this in play and hardened scales, I'm pretty sure you can't apply both, right? The the way it works, because they clash. Look just like how metallic mimic and winding constrictor don't work together, right? I have no idea. Same here. I, no idea. I'm pretty sure. I I wouldn't put money on it, but I'm pretty sure if you like. It doesn't work. Okay, I can't be able to explain it over a podcast, right? Once the interaction comes like a magic online, I'll immediately file for compensation, and then I won't know any better anyway. (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's just move on to the next one. Yeah. So we're at subtle here, and we're moving forward. I mean, where the next thing I had on my list was actually cast the lion, but I don't th- I don't know if that's actually worth talking about. It feels like a commander card. That card did not not look playable to me. Right. We'll not talk about it. Do you want to talk about Zoranob? Oh, please. Uh, I just I just want to cast an original Zuranorb in a game of modern in real life. A real I think I have a copy somewhere in my boxes of card. Such a beautiful card. It's such a cool card. I never really got to play with Zuranorb. That's a bit before my time, if you can imagine that. And uh yeah. I don't know how you're gonna use it. You know, restore balance. I guess is the, the the obvious one or the one the first one that came to mind. But just for value, maybe you can tutor it up for Scar and gain some life. Uh, Should we read Zero over people who weren't uh, just like really sure. deep on Ice Age? Okay. Do you want to do the honors, Gab? Since it's kind of all you're, right. You're the most excited I've ever seen about Zero. It's a zero mana artifact, and it has sack a. The land gained two life. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I honestly remember when my friend casts against me at primary school. I said, how am I ever going to win? We all have like 13 land in play. I'll never kill you. <laughs> Sorry, the top comment on Mythic Spoiler talks about how it kills burn. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That's funny. Look, I actually think it's like, that's that's where you're bringing it in. Like, I think I think it's actually in the, like, it's a, it's a colorless gain life spell. And there are some colors that just don't do a very good job of gaining life. I mean, you can always play in the burn mirror and just be racing people, and it's good. Or I, I don't know. It's cost zero. I'm it not a lot of life. It has some subtle implication interactions with cards like Restore Balance, like Gab said. You can wish for it with Khan. I don't know. I'm just going to buy some Ice Age Goblins nah. just in case. Nah, I, nah, hope, nah. I hope it's good somehow. Yeah, same. I really hope so, too. Keep, keep dreaming, boys. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Son, son, son of Draco. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. this card was interesting. The liquid metal torque. Have you guys seen right, it? You can, you can talk about liquid metal torque. If you It'll want. be a quick discussion, but it's a two mana artifact. You can tap it for a colorless, or you can tap it to turn target non-land permanent uh, into an artifact. Addition in addition to its other types until end of turn, of course. Uh, this is obviously kind of, well, I guess, Liquid Metal Coding's brother, and it taps for a colorless mana, and it turns a non-land permanent into an artifact. So while this isn't something I think is game-changing, I feel like, you know, would you really want to play this over, what is it? I forgot the name of the card that sacks to draw a card that taps for mana. Mindstone. Mindstone, that's it. You ever gonna play this over Mindstone in Eldrazi Tron? I highly doubt it. You could play it in like some sort of like Karn Urza deck, maybe. I would see that as like maybe a one of, but I definitely think this is playable alongside Karn. I just don't think it's in playable in any current Karn deck. You get what I mean? I it, ramps you, it. it ramps you to Karn and locks down still works on cards like Planeswalkers. It is Maybe the most obvious permanent you'd want to lock down. Or Heliod? Yeah. Who knows? It might be good now that you have eight of these cards. You could play that some crazy ancient grudge deck, like all artifact removal, 
and then you're turning their permanents into artifacts. Okay, okay. Or, you know, if you're... Yeah, I don't know. Ancient Grudge is the best I got, I guess. Ancient right, Grudge, what... Emery, four liquid metal torque, three liquid metal coatings, and then yeah, one you're on the sideboard. Yeah, you're self-milling the grudges. You're getting free removal spell. I was going to say, you're milling yourself. You're, ho you're hopefully milling over all your all these cards you're trying to put in your deck. You're <laughs> going to play Urza Saga so that it you is, can fetch up is... your orb. It is a pretty big deck building cost. That might be rough. All, all right. right. Can, we, can we make this very short discussion very, very much shorter? Yeah, let's sure. go. All right. Sign of Draco. Who wants to take it? All right, go ahead. All right, fine. 12 mana artifact creature, 4 4 flying. That's it. No other text. Uh, it's an artifact creature dragon. It costs 12 colors. It has domain, and the domain ability is this spell costs 2 colors less to cast for each basic land type amongst the lands you control. It's a 4 4 flying. Uh, and it has each creature you control it gains vigilance if it's white, hexproof if it's blue, lifelink if it's black, first strike if it's red, and trample if it's green. So it's got a lot to kind of like pass here, but the the reality is you can cast this on turn two if you fetch up a triumph and then cast a shockland, and you have a four four fly for two mana. Ah, this is bad. This is bad. There's no way that's good, right? You don't think it can be good in a Niv deck? <laughs> Your Omnath has hexproof. Ooh. Okay, 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 okay. Roll that back, roll that your back. Niv your Niv has lifelink. <laughs> okay, this is good, this is good, this is good. <laughs> I don't know if it's good, but... I it doesn't cost very much mana to cast it. Yeah, I mean, it, it does seem very realistic to cast it on turn two. You gotta... That's a good blocker against aggro, it's good pressure against control. Yeah. I kind of okay, wish I you like it. haste if it was red. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I was like, yeah, it's just first, right? Because haste would be it would be too good, right? Just omnath haste, nev haste. Yeah, I think it might be sick if it, if it, if it was uh, if it was ha haste. hasty lifelinker nev. That's sounds like with hexproof. But I mean, if you think about it, you're casting turn two four four flyers. You're you know, you can that that turns on your tribal flames for five. Like, yeah, I can imagine some kind of domains. I think instead of vigilance, they should have. Done the protection from every color for white, uncounterable yes. for blue, mm. indestructible <laughs> for green, <laughs> haste for red, and yeah, lifeline. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's like other hidden applications other than just put it in your five color deck, but I don't know. It's got a lot of text on it. It's a cheap, a cheap beta. Yeah. Some decks are in the market for that sort of stuff. It, it's kind of like proactive removal spells in some way, because against all the Swift Sphere decks, you get a huge blocker. It it fills up the curve. It, it, it looks it looks kind of nice. We'll see if the reality is is that, but yeah. Well, you can't push it and you can't bolt it. Those are two things I like that are in that are in favor of it. Yeah. Okay. Go next. Yeah, abundant harvest maybe the yeah. cantrip we got in Historic and Arena, it's coming to Modern. It's a green sorcery, one mana. Choose land or non-land. Reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a card of the chosen kind. Put that card into your hand and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So for one green sorcery, you name land. You flip cards till you hit a land. You hit, you say non-land till you hit a spell. So you get to choose. I think it's a, a good cantrip. I know that in Historic, it hasn't found a home, really. People have tried playing Dreadlord Arcanist, you know, Splashing Green in Dreadlord Arcanist for that card, and maybe a Snakeskin Veil, too. But I haven't seen anything very convincing. I think, in theory, it can be 
very good. I think it can be very good in deck like Death Shadow that has a ton of cheap spells. So the one mana is not hurting you too badly. And that has maybe problems with flooding in the mid game. So who knows? It's it's a good card, but can it find a home? This is, I think Death Shadow is the most obvious home for it. My experience passing this card in Historic has been, I've been actually quite unimpressed with it. It's less good than I thought it would be. I think it doesn't actually offer you as much card selection as you're really hoping for, because as the game goes on, yes, sure, you want to wish for non-land cards. That's fine. But when if you were scrying, you wouldn't choose every any non-land card in your deck. I, I, I think this card's a little bit worse than it, it kind of reads on the surface. I think I, I thought it was quite quite good when it first came out, and now I'm not not so convinced. But Dash Shadow is a really nice spot for it because there are even spots in them kind of well, mid game, so like turn three or so, that finding a land is actually really important because it lets you find a fetch land to take more damage to cast your Death Shadows. So yeah, I could see it uh, wanting a home there, and that deck kind of misses a bit of card selection when it doesn't play blue, and I think. By by this point in time, we're quite aware that the blue cards are probably the worst, the worst option for for a deck like Death Shadow. It really wants to be kind of red green, like John color based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. Cool. All right. Next, I want to talk about two cards that are not actually related to one another, other than they're both reprints. Um, the Seal of Removal, uh, which is a one blue enchantment, and it says Sacrifice Seal of Removal, return target creature to its owner's hand. I think this card's a really nice pickup for decks like Lurus, like Lurus decks, especially blue, well, particularly blue Lurus decks. Does a good job of keeping creatures off the battlefield, but also protecting Lurus. I think it's a nice addition. And the other card I want to talk about is Goblin Bombardment, uh, which is a one one red and one colorless enchantment, which is Sacrifice a creature, deals one damage to target. I believe it's creature or player. Yeah, any target. Yeah, any target. Yeah, cool. Right. Either of those cards uh, stick out to you as things that might be. Might be a big impact in, in modern. I think the big one you said it, Lurus, seems really oppressive for certain decks to just have to play against Seal of Removal, protecting your own Lurus kind of infinite loop. That card historically was played in Enchantress. It was used as removal against Reanimator decks. So that would be funny if Reanimator becomes father and people play Seal of Removal for that. But um, yeah, I think Lurus the uh, obvious use. Goblin Bombardment, Enduring Renewal, and Ornithopter Illegal. That's like a super old school combo. Oh, really? I forgot that. Because Enduring Renewal is in, um, yeah. in Time Spiral. It's done the Time Spiral, Time Shifted Sheet. Yeah, I'm guessing. Harry, what flavor of Pebbles is your favorite? <laughs> like Fruity Pebbles, Cocoa Pebbles, just what are you talking about? Pebbles. <laughs> Anyways. Super sweet card, super sweet enabler. Will it have a supporting cast? Who knows? But uh, I think a lot of people, it brought a smile on a lot of people's face uh, when uh, they saw the modern was reprinted. Next, real cards. Him dude. Whatever it's called. <laughs> Him dude. 2-1 for black and one. Protection from white. You know, it's actually called Turok, right? I'll, I'll live... Oh, it's actual the dude Turok, Dread Chanter. Okay. I, I, was, I was looking at the, um, the Asian version and I was trying to remember what it did, but all right. Turok, Dread Chanter. 2-1 for a black and one. Protection from white. Whenever an opening discards a card, you put a plus one, plus one counter on Turok. If you've paid the kicker cost of two black, you him them. Him to Turok, which is... For those of you who don't know, 
target open and discards two cards at random. So basically, if you pay triple black and one on turn four or whenever four mana, you get a four free pro white that makes them discard two cards at random. Another obvious curve is maybe you play it on turn two, you play Liliana on turn three, you plus Liliana, it gets a counter, so let's put in counter on it. So that card seems really strong to me. That's all I've got, though. I mean, it's kind of not very subtle. Predictions wide, pretty relevant in the format, too. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's decent. Need to see what happens, honestly. Hard, hard to predict with this card because it's so expensive for what it does. We'll flag that it's another, it's a, it's a two drop for Lura, so it actually scales into the late game. Mm -hmm. So you can replay it from your graveyard and play the kicker, right? Yep. I believe that you can. All right, now. All right. I mean, obviously. Because it doesn't change the CMC. Yeah. 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 The card is, it's, it is what it is. We'll, we'll see if it actually sees a ton of play. Um, Mishra's Factory? Another fine reprint. I mean, so Mistress Factories is a land that says attached for colorless mana, or it's one colorless, it becomes a 2-2 assembly worker artifact creature until end of turn. And it's also a tap target assembly worker creature, gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So it's like Mutavolt, but it's a better defended, better defensive creature because it can block. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, all these artifact cards are here to just try and buff Harden Scales. That's what it kind of seems like, and... I feel like Hardened Scales needs something like this, where it they you know they can sack it if they need the extra artifact for Arcbound Ravenger, but also just you know one of those creatures that they want to massively pump. I'm a big fan of it, and I'm I actually hope Scales comes back. I think I think it has a I think it has a fighting chance, honestly, with with all these little you know little buffs. I, I like it. Yeah, I was more thinking of a deck with four factories for Mutavolt. You get to pump your Mutavolt. That's a lot mm. of. Free creatures, you know, free creatures and a lot of damage out of nowhere. Good at attacking Planeswalker. I'm not sure which deck's going to be able to force four mutable for Mishra's Factory in their mana base, but it could be good. Maybe you could ima even imagine Eldrazi Tron without Tron, just play Factories and Mutavolt instead. I remember playing that, um, that Colorless deck. I think it was an Eldrazi deck, but I also played the Scorch that came back, and they, this deck did have Tron, and I always thought Mutavolt one of, was one of the best lands in that deck. So maybe some some version of Eldrazi Tron without the Tron lands, and just, yeah, you get all these free free attackers, and that's a ton of pressure. Sure, in the in the unfair matchups, it's not going to save you, but in against control decks, I could see it being a nightmare for them if you got all, all these free attackers. Because mm -hmm. like a card like Matter Reshaper will always make fun of it, but if you have the backup of your your army of factories in the other world, it can become way more impressive. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, I think it's going to be decent, but you know what else is going to be decent? It's Suspend. Uh, and if you haven't heard of this card yet, listening to the podcast, I'm surprised. I'd expect you lot to be control fans, but I'll read off anyways. It's called Suspend. It's one blue, so just a blue mana. It's an instant. It says exile target creature and put two time counters on it. If it doesn't have Suspend, it gains Suspend. Um, and instantly, obviously, this card's extremely powerful. I think everyone can agree with that. But I think what where the power lies in this card is, uh, one, obviously, you play this and Teferi Time Raveler. What a surprise. It turns into just a blue mana to exile a creature. 
But I also think it's just great for control in general for the mana. I mean, you know, for on the podcast for the past few months, we've just, just been talking, you know, you're an Archmage's Charm deck, Mana Leak, Archmage's Charm, Cryptic Command, splashing for removal spells and Planeswalkers. And if your removal spells are turning blue, then your splash is lighter, your mana gets better. So I just think this is great for the mana for the control decks. Also gives you an excuse to an excuse, sorry, to play Teferi, Teferi Time Raveler, which I love. So I'm a really big fan of it. Yeah, I've played with Delay recently, the, the counter spell that's a bit like Suspend. In combination with Teferi Time Raveler, I was quite impressed. You get counterspell now, so you might not need to go, you know, you're not going to have to go to these lengths to get a real counterspell. It does seem really good. Is it actually going to be better than Path to Exile or Fatal Push? Tough to know. It's. I don't think you can really play that card without Teferi Time Raveler in your deck. Sure, it will be good sometimes without Teferi Time Raveler. You know, it buys you a bit of time in the early game, and if you have a Jace or a Teferi going, all you need is a few turns to take over, so that's exactly what that card gives you. By the time the creature comes back, either it doesn't matter anymore, or you can counter it, etc., etc. So, you know, it can be good without Teferi, but I can't imagine that card being playable without Teferi either. I don't think it's worth it to put it in your deck if you don't have three or four Teferi Time Ravelers. I, I agree roughly with that assessment. There are just a couple of things that I think... Uh some interesting interactions with it that haven't been mentioned are it's really good with Snapcaster Mage, not in, in the sense that you, not only do you have a kind of another one mana instant that you can flash back, but it's also good in control. If you're playing a matchup where your removal is just generally dead and you have Snapcaster Mage attacking, if they have to try to remove, remove Snapcaster, you can just suspend it and bring it back and flash back another spell, get get it going there. So it's kind of, in it's like a little bit, it's a, it's a pretty serious upgrade over kind of pathing your own Snapcaster Mage in control in the control mirror. So I, I like I like its utility there. If you're playing with a card like Grief, it's also you can go Grief and then suspend Grief and then have it come back and mind rot or uh, coercion them on um on a, on a couple of turns down the line. So I think it's got a little bit of utility targeting your own creatures in conjunction with just being a, a solid removal spell in a color that doesn't generally doesn't get get access to that. You know, maybe we start looking at ways of kind of like branching out of like you know, adding black or red to our control decks, we can have kind of like band control now because you can have like path plus suspend and now you have enough one-man interaction to kind of get get away with it. So, yeah, I think this guy's got a lot of, a lot of implications. All right. I just think that it seems undervalued, though, like for, for that four counter spell, four to fairy, as well as like how often do you cast a turn one removal spell, right? I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're trying to wrap up soon, but I think it's. I think you guys are undervaluing it, honestly. I'm. I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I'm. I don't think. I mean, I think it's fair to say you you won't put it in your deck if you don't have Teferi, and it's still like unclear how well the card's going to play out. Even though it seems like it should play out well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's probably going to be good. But there's so many good cards coming to modern. So yeah, yeah. which ones are going to make the cut? You know. Yeah, agreed. Okay. It's going to be a Urion deck, I guess. Too many cards. Right. All decks Urion decks now. Even if they don't play Urion, just play 80 anyway. <laughs> All right. So we, next we've got the card that we're not going to try to pronounce. It's the legendary creature Human Wizards. It's a free-free. It doesn't have a mana cost. 
But as long as you discard a card this turn, you may pay either a black or a red to cast this spell. And when it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for a card named the Underworld Cookbook, reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle. It has sacrificed two foods. Target creature deals six damage to itself. So if you don't have that card, you know, if you're not looking at it right now or haven't read it before, you probably have no idea what it just said. But I'll just say that maybe in a deck like Vengevine once again, you discard cards, you get a creature for free, you get that cookbook, and it's not irrelevant. The cookbook is a one-mana artifact that has to discard a card, create a food token, and you can also tap it, pay for, sack the cookbook, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So basically what it does is you can use a creature part, you get a one-mana free-free body, if you've discarded a card that triggers your Vengevine, your Vengevine friend comes back, you also get that artifact, and then later in the game, you potentially get to kill a creature by sacking these two foods. And the cookbook also helps you as a discard outlet. So you can play maybe, if you have it in your opening hand, you can play cookbook turn one, discard your Vengevine, get the first food on turn two. You're you know, discarding another card. You get to play that creature for one, play another creature for one, your Vengevine comes back, you already have two food tokens, you get to use that card to kill their first creature. That actually sounds pretty good to me. Going to be honest, the name is just giving me a headache. Should I yeah. try and pronounce it? Yes. All right, you have a go. Okay, so for the people on the podcast who don't know what we're talking this card is like, the name is like 30 characters long, and it's all one word, but let's go. Asmoranomardikadaistinaculadakar. Not bad. For someone who's notoriously bad at pronouncing names, you actually did a pretty good job. <laughs> what about you, Pat? Go on then. All right. Asmoranomardikadaistinaculadakar. I can't do this. My brain is absolutely as a vomit. <laughs> It's All right, my hard. turn, my turn, my turn. I like calling it It. Gab was referring to it as It. I, I thought that was good. Asmoranomar Dekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekadekad
oh yeah reanimator maybe another you know vengevine card or any anyone's trying to abuse the, the graveyard dredge, dredge. You, usually doesn't really care about creatures i mean they've had lightning ants in the past in their in their sideboard so maybe they do they do play some copies of uh, of of lightning axe generally yeah i, I think this card is a good utility role like role playing card that can do a little show up in people's sideboards or one or copy in the main deck here and there and yeah you know, do do a good job, and if you can turn the disc the downside into an upside, then uh, that's even better. Harry, you okay. want to do Imperial Recruiter? Sure. Does anyone not know what Imperial Recruiter does? Anyways, quickly, it's two in a red. It's a creature human advisor. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a creature card with power two or less. Reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. It's a one one. I think this card here is really only for Kihijiki Deceiver Exarch. Am I am I missing anything? Maybe in Defintax's deck, it's good ephemerate target, good flicker yeah. with target, maybe white red be done, it carries an equipment. Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately, good. I think that the the better creatures that have been printed recently outside, unless, except for um, Skyclave Apparition, actually have three power at the moment, like Elite Spellbinder, maybe Ranger Captain of Eos. So. Yeah, I, I think you could definitely find, find a role for it in, in, in a Taxes deck, but it's, I can't quite get all the best things. He gets the the two four the pot creature, it's blue green. Uh... It's probably really good in like Yogmoth, Yogmoth combo. It gets every all parts of the Yogmoth creature combo. Like it's Young Wolf, it gets Yogmoth. That's basically it. Oh, Strangle root geist. Cool. Yeah, powerful magic card. Can't figure out where its home's going to be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Another powerful magic card that is another reprint is a uh, Quirion Ranger, who's just a card that's been sitting on the sidelines of magic for a really long time it's one of the most powerful green one drops printed unless you're a legacy player yeah i guess if you're a legacy elf player and you have four gaius cradles and it says aquarian ranger is a one green elf ranger it's a one one and it says return a forest you control to its owner's hand untap target creature activate this ability only once per turn so i think this this card generates a lot of mana in kind of subtle ways so if you say if you lean on lanamore elf and then cast Quarian Ranger off of your forest the next turn. You can return the forest to your hand. You can tap the Lanor Oil for mana, return the forest to your hand, untap your Lanor Oil, and replay your forest. So your Quarian Ranger essentially costs no mana and generated in mana. That's nothing to sneeze at. And then you can start getting more absurd from there. So you can start, you know, really emptying your hand at these Elves decks as early as turn two. Right now in modern, they're kind of pegged to empty their hand on turn three if they open on like Archmage or like Heritage Druid. But this, uh, this card really lets them go off a little bit, a little bit faster, and adds that adds that extra bit of redundancy. Just a cool magic card as well. A lot of subtle implications with this card. I think this card's just great because right now in modern, I think the elves decks are kind of tuned towards playing the lord that taps, like Guy's Cradle. Oh, what's it called? Elvish Archdruid. Elvish Archdruid. Yeah, that card plus the uh, the new guy. The two mana one that you pay six or seven to pump the team. I don't know that it's like elite something. Elvish clan caller. El- is it that or is it like Elvish yeah. Warmaster maybe? Elvish Warmaster. That's it. Yeah. That's the brand new one. Yeah, that one. So I feel like this plus Elvish Warmaster and uh, the Lord, you're gonna generate so much mana and kill by that. I, I this card is great. This card is great. Yeah. Super nostalgia. I remember, you know, you used to untap trade win riders, lock your opening up, even Grand Tour Gale Mage, which was like a pinger, a green pinger, 
Anyways, pretty I sweet. This was in five color, five color blue, or five color green, right? Yeah, it was like survival. You know, you played it in survival, and you got you know trader and trader and wider trade the win rider luck was was definitely a thing i've lost you know as a mono blue player back then my disc coming to play tap did that trade basically if they resolved the trade win rider before i had a disc out it was game over you can never never get rid of of their stuff anymore so uh, we'll bear that in mind i think reprint trade win rider in this exactly set, which would be great i would love to see trade win rider reprinted love that card that's one of my favorite cards from my childhood all right next card do we want to talk about guys, Will? Yeah, we should Is mention it, Seal of Cleansing real quick. Just sure, go for it. Yeah, it's Seal, seal of, of Primordium. It's the original Seal of Primordium. Then did it Seal of Primordium, which was the time shifted version of it, and now we actually got Seal of Cleansing. The most obvious thing is that it's Loris Colors, white and one, enchantment, sacrifice, seal, destroy target artifact of enchantment. So yeah, there you go. You have access to that card now in in Good modern. Role Perfect mm -hmm. role player. And in the right colors now. Exactly. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do Guy's Will. Guy's Will is a green card with zero ma with no mana cost. It has suspend four and its suspend cost is one green. Until end of turn, you can play land cards from your graveyard and cast spells from your graveyard. And if cards will be put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, exile them instead. So this is Yogmoth's Will with suspend and it's green. Uh, Yogmoth's Will is a pretty powerful effect. I don't know if the rituals in modern are good enough at the moment to to back up a kind of, you know, a storm deck that, that relies on kind of churning out of its graveyard, but and it's also somewhat of a problematic that you kind of you can't fill your graveyard and then and then cast Guy's Will on the same turn. You have to have it come off, so you have to kind of go off in your upkeep. I, I don't think this card's going to be particularly good, but it looks flashy. Yeah, I don't see how you make it work either. Same here. Go right. next. <laughs> right. All right. Then if that one was quick, I'll just do the next one. General Ferris Rockerick. So General Ferris Rockerick is a uh, human soldier. It costs one white, one red, one colorless. It's a three one with protection from monocolored. Hexproof. Hexproof. Sorry. Hexproof from monocolored. Uh, and whenever you cast a multicolor spell, make a four four red creature, red and white golem artifact creature token. So this card just has humans written all over it. That, card, that deck's full of multicolor creatures. Uh, this is like a bit of payoff for sandbagging some of your like meddling mages later in the game. Uh, also has nice synergy with a card like Manamorphos. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot, lot going on. It's also a, a creature that's immune to Fatal Push, Lightning Bolt, and Path to Exile, which is... Because it has Hexproof from Monocolored. So I think this card's probably pretty good. If if like humans is a deck that you want to be playing in the format going forward, yeah, seems like a solid card. Could also curve into Omnath. It's a it's a good blocker because you play it and it doesn't die to Lavadart, which is the plague of every one toughness you know creature in the format. So just solid solid body kind of and. The ability's cool. Yeah, who knows? Who knows if that card sees you know any play at all? Maybe one up. Maybe it ends up just being a one or two up in humans. Maybe it's he's playing more decks. But um... all right, who's got next? I'll go next. Ignoble hierarch. It's a green mana, and it's noble hierarch. But their brother, 
and uh, they tap for Jund. And got exalted in zero one, blah blah blah. I think this card is re it's really hard to assess because I don't really know like it's not a human, it's a goblin shaman. You know, so <laughs> I have no I mean it's obviously very good. I just don't know where you play it. Do you play this in modern Jund? I don't think so. Well, I, I would you... sorry, yeah, good. You you can take this one, Gib. Go. It seems really good to me. The reason you don't play Noble hierarchs in too many decks is because decks in these colors either don't exist or they're control decks, so you don't really need creatures. I feel like it's one of your best cards if you're playing, you know, Ben Stoneforge and Noble Hierarch, or that Ignoble Hierarch is a bit friendlier to colors that one one that effect. Exalted is just you know, such a big deal, even in the deck like Soul Herder, where you're not especially an aggressive deck, the Exalted just adds up. It's, yeah, it's just obviously a great magic card and maybe only held back by abundance of Lavadarks and Lightning Bolt right now. So we'll see if it's it's worth putting in your deck, I guess. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm just it's too too good not to miss. Incredibly unsubtle. Like, just going to be a good magic card. Going to see a bunch of play where I couldn't tell you right now. Yeah, it's decent hit with Bloodbird Elf. You know, usually you're not excited to hit your one drops, but at least you still get the Exalted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I also like that it's a Goblin. Like, I think that's one of the other ways you can build the Goblin's deck is to play like Grumgully and Persist Creatures. And... So Gromgully requires you to be red green as well, and, so, and some of the persist creatures are black. So yeah. you kind of want to be like Jund colors, and ha having a, a, a powerful one drop that's not just not just Aether Vial is like it kind of goes a long way. Kind of hard yeah. to cast on turn one, but at the same time, maybe it's worth going out if you way to build your mana base so that you can cast this card on turn one, because that plus Aether Vial gives you like those those openings that let you compete in modern. Yeah, people are also mentioning Phyrexian Crusader. Yeah, that version of Infect, that black-green version of Infect, that was somewhat popular at one point. Once again, not great against Lavador and Lav Lightning Bolt, so who knows, but uh, I see a cool design. People were really excited about that one. Yeah, definitely. There's also card you skipped just before. Dragon's Rage Chandler, a red for 1-1. One -one. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you surveil 1. And it has Delirium, as long as there are 4 or more cards... Card types among cards in your graveyard. Dragon's Rage Chandler gets plus two, plus two, has flying, and attacks each combat if able. It's also a human and a shaman. Just, you know, death, death shadow, shadow decks, right? You already kind of played Delirium with Traverse and stuff. You have Bubble, pretty easy to enable. Seems like a really strong one drop. Is it better than Swift Spear, or do you play both? Who knows? That card seems obviously really like could be really strong. Yeah, nice synergy with Mishra's Bauble. And like even the seals that are getting reprinted now, like we already have Seal of Fire and Seal of Doom, but you can have like Seal of Removal if you're kind of blue red. And that lets you, you know, tick your delirium count up pretty pretty quickly. I just I just is gonna skip right ahead, but Gab, they just spoiled Neverall's disc. Really? Yeah, for real. Well, yeah, I guess Trader and Rider is coming next. That's insane. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. No, the, the Chandler is really strong. It's non-creature spell, not just instant and sorcery. So 
you get a free surveil of your bubble turn one. That's that's so huge. Like it adds up so fast. It makes Bellum Reveler, you know, come online faster if you want to play that card. That card is scary. That card is really, really scary. Yeah, this is a Delver of Sacreds that I would actually play in modern. Yeah. All right. Next one. We want to talk about Lonus. I think we need to make some progress for it. All right. Let's get Lonus. Fast. All right. Next one. Obsidian Charmaw. Red, red, free. Dragon. 4-4 four, four flying. This spell costs one less to cast for each land. You're open controls that could produce colorless. When Obsidian Charmel enters the battlefield, destroy target non-basic land and opening controls. That card seems obviously obscene against Tron. Basically, if you're on the play and they go Tron land, Tron land, on your third turn, you get to cast it for two red and one. You get a four for flying, you destroy one of their lands, game is basically over. Um, so we'll see if... Somehow that card sees playing main decks, if it's just a sideboard card, if it's maybe not good enough, maybe just Blood Moons end up being better or whatever, but that that card seems totally obscene against Tron. I'm just thinking there's finally a punish now, Gab, for how many Mystic Gates you keep shoving into blue, white. That's all that's all I'm thinking. <laughs> Field of Rune as well. Oh yeah, Field of Rune too. Yeah. I would uh, this card I think this card might be a little bit over overrated. I think that this is problem with like stone rain effects versus Tron. Is it just really bad on the draw, and you need to win two games against Tron if you assume you lose game one, and one of them has to be on the draw. And I kind of just want my sideboard cards to be good on the play and draw. There's not enough space to have things that are any good on to, on, on the play. Yeah, but you have you have ignoble hierarchy turn on, so you get to cast oh, it on your second turn. That's true. If I lit on ignoble hierarchy. I mean, isn't good. this only going to see play in Ponza, right? Am I the only one thinking that? I really like it. I really like the top end kind of replacement to a card like Glorybringer or whatnot. Or yeah, honestly, it doesn't. It doesn't even sound that bad. Like five mana, kill a land, get a four four dragon. Yeah, I'm down with it. I think it's probably a pretty good card, but it's not like this kind of like be all and all against Tron. It's like a not yeah. kind of cover all sideboard card. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, got Flame Rift. Maybe that one's for you, Pad. Do you think that card's going to see play in something like Red Black Shadow? I mean, I think it's it's pretty good at enabling cards in Red Black Shadow. It enables both halves of, um, well, not both halves, but it enables both shadows. So the sky, scourge of the Skyclave, and also Death Shadow, pretty well. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good card in Burn as well. I mean, the success of Burn. In almost any matchup, comes down to how many how many Boros charms did you draw to kind of break the symmetry of uh, of how many lightning bolts did you draw. So, nah, that card. I don't think that card was very good in Burn back in the day. You can't if if there's any aggro in the format. You, I don't think you can play Flame Rift. Okay. There's no All way. Right. Maybe it's a sideboard card or something like that. We just bring in a bunch more four four mana spells, four damage spells. I don't know. Some something I think. Is relevant with this card is that it's legal in Popper and Popper Burn doesn't play it. That's one thing that made me raise my eyebrow a little. Uh, I mean, I don't know their deck list off by heart, but that's yeah. yeah back in the day, Burn the deck decks did really play that card. I don't think so either. So I think it's it's gonna be Shadow or Bust okay. for Flame Rift. Can I request that we jump forward to a card that is pretty great and it's Upheaval? All right. What does that do? What does Upheaval do? All no, right. Of course I know what that does. To, to those of you who've never played Cube, 
uh, upheaval as a format. A six mana sorcery costs two blue and four colors. Return all permanents to their owner's hand. Simple, effective, historically busted. Don't know how good it is these days, though, or how good it is in a format like modern. I mean, there's like force of wills in the format or force of negations in the format. There's going to be counter spells. These are cards that can go in your upheaval deck, but you also, to take advantage of upheaval, you really need to be able to have an excess of mana essentially so you cast up people with some mana floating and replay some things from your from your hand so i don't know it's just a really cool magic card though and i'm really glad it's getting reprinted a zombie access. infestation is legal right yeah zombie infestation is legal so uzi yeah, yeah that was that was the one of the og ones that in psychotog the the point is that zombie infestation is only two mana and it uses very well the cards you're bouncing, and it gives you, for two mana, great board presence and kind of game-winning board presence. So all you need is have seven lands, you cast Upheaval, you replay the land for the turn, play Zombie Infestation, make, like, a bunch of tokens, and, you know, Zombie Infestation has marginal utility in the early game. I don't know. I don't think that card's going to see play, but who knows? Like, Modern's a bit too fast for Upheaval. Yeah, I think it's... it's uh... It's the sort of guy that would be way too powerful for standard, I think, but too 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 slow for modern. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, next card that I think is quite interesting is Yavamaya Cradle of Growth. It's the, a legendary land, and it's just Urborg, but for forests. So each land is a forest in addition to its other types. This is cool. I think it's probably going to be more relevant in what Legacy, right? Turning Gaia's Cradle into a forest, maybe? I don't know. I... I think it's a cool card. I, I can't really think of many applications. Can you guys? I mean, I think that if you're just talking back on Legacy, I think it also turns Dark Depths into a card that costs uh, Sylvan Scrying. Yeah, to that get, too. To go get Thespian Stage. So yeah, I think, I mean, Urborg's a card that sees a lot of play, but not very much If at the same time, if that makes sense. Like, you maybe play one copy and and it's like fine, but I like that this card's going to exist. I don't know where you... I don't know whether or not I don't know whether green is a sort of color which benefits immensely from having lots and lots and lots of forests because you know black obviously benefits a lot from having lots of swamps like candles of corruption corrupt all these sort of cards like lean on having heaps and heaps of black mana symbols whereas green decks typically get lots of green mana symbols just by the nature of the cards they choose to play anyway so like they have like elves and stuff like that elves make heaps of green mana anyway so you don't benefit a lot by going like Oh, suddenly I have lots of lots more green mana, or my lands tap for lots of green because green decks tend to be quite heavy green to begin with. Whereas Urborg like, has this lot of power of being like, okay, I'm a deck that has like you know two or three colors in it, but like now I get to pay off for having heaps of black mana available to me. So it remains to be seen where you find a slot for this. But at the same time, I'm sure I'll time out to it on Magic Online at some point. Does yeah. this card make Nissa who shakes the world at all playable? No way, right? Maybe. I don't Pretty think cool it changes. It's not like you can plan on it, right? You're going to yeah. play one in your deck, maybe two. Yeah. It's card we didn't mention, but a really quick talk. is Sylvan Anthem, two green enchantment. Green creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever a green creature enters the battlefield and our controls cry one. I didn't think much of that card, but if these green decks are going to be good and tribal decks are going to be good, you're going to see Plague Engineer Shop. And if Plague Engineer Shop, you might need to play cards like Sylvan Anthem. It gives you, you know, the, the Scryon, obviously you're not going to flood. So maybe that card could be good. Someone, I think it was... Speaking, was... speaking of Plague Engineer, yeah, isn't there, a, isn't there a card that, like, turns all forests into 1-1 one, 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 one Saprolings? 
So you can have the Yavimea plague engineer on Sacral and then and then just like uh Armageddon them. Yeah. Beautiful. Going deep, yeah. So yeah, maybe that Anthem will will see play since they're screwing your ranger, that cradle cards a little bit. I mean Arborg's notorious for like helping your opponent more than helping you. Where it lets them like not sag their fetch lands and play mana and this and that, you know. Yeah. So I mean Oborg's really been quite like yeah, it's a, it's kind of a liability since like time spiral block constructed. So. Yeah, used used for mana fixing for cards like turn to smallpox, like flagstone smallpox. But I don't know if green has the equivalent really of these like no. heavy. And so it does not. All right, uh, we've got um, kind of the Draco's weird brother from another mother, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Territorial <laughs> taboo. <laughs> I never thought you'd Gab say that in my life. Oh my god, sorry. It's a taboo for red and a green. It's an XX. It has domain. Its power and toughness is equal to number of basic land types amongst lands you control. Whenever it attacks, you choose one, discard a card if you do draw a card, or exile up to one target card from a graveyard. So same thing, if you play a Triumph on turn one and... Not a dual land, you know, they're like right dual land on turn two. You can get technically a five five four two mana on turn two with an ability when it attacks. But just in a, you know, maybe five color zoo, you play it on turn two as a three three or four four. Later in the game becomes a five five. Looks good to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's like a better card than like, than time ago for new zoo decks that aren't going to have a a wide variety of creature types that aren't interacting with your opponents in a way that are going to fill up the graveyard for to make the time away from the kind of four, five, five, six, six, seven. So yeah, I, I like territorial copy if you're going down that going down that route of being like four color, five color zoo. Not sure if I like that deck at all, but at the same time, I think that if you do if you do play that deck, it'll probably contain both Draco and Discard to give yourself redundancy on ta- on skipping turn one as well in particular. Because that's the real cost of these things. Like you have to go triome into well, or the Draco in particular. You have to go triome into Shockland, so you don't get to play a, man, a card on turn one. At least with this, you get to make a one drop. Yeah. All right. Next. Harry, do you want to do Ragavan? Ragavan, nimble pilferer, just a red mana. The legendary creature, the legendary creature, monkey pirate. When Ragavan deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token and exile the top card of that player's library. Till end of turn, you may cast that card. And it has dash for one and a red, and it's a two-one. I think it's quite obvious that this card's very powerful. It's a one-mana creature. It doesn't have haste, but not only does it generate you mana, it gets you cards. You know, exile the top card of your opponent's library. Okay, that's not as good as, like, let's say your own. But this card is obviously very powerful. I think it's insane. I don't think the fact that it's legendary is at all relevant because if this creature is on the table, it's most likely can attack. And if it can attack, it's get gener- generating you treasures and cards. And if you have multiples, this is a must-kill creature if they don't have a blocker, meaning that the extra copy in your hand can be cast the next turn or dashed, however you'd like to uh, do it. So I feel like this card's insane. I think it has a lot of applications. I think it's going to be played in a lot of decks. Will be played in burn, I don't know, but every other red deck I think so. I think this card might be a bit slow for the main deck of burn, but I wouldn't see why you wouldn't play it in any low-to-the-ground red deck. What do you guys think? I thought that card looked busted. Yeah. And I saw people online being like, eh, 
If you're connecting with red one drops, you're doing good anyways. It dies to lava dart. What? That's looks, such bad it logic. Looks, yeah, it looks so scary. I mean, dark confident is kind of terrifying already, and it's two mana. This one's one mana. If you're playing control and you don't have your removal spell in your opening hand, you just lose the game, right? That's what it looks like to me. In fact, I really like it out of the sideboard of control decks, like in the control mirror. Yeah. No, I think it's nuts. And it, the the funny thing is it has dash. So if your opponent has Renin 6 in play, it doesn't even matter. So <laughs> it's only Lava Dart, really, that gets this. I guess I guess if you go, what, this on the draw and they have turn 2 Ren, it's annoying. But even if they have the Ren to ping it, if you're on the play, right, you've drawn a card and made a treasure. I guess if you hit a land, you still got the ramp. So it's not, not like you're left with nothing. I think this card's insane. It's worth noting you can only, with, with the relation to the dash, you can only cast the card that turn. So you don't, it's not like you get to sit there and just sit on them forever like it would with, like, you know, Thief of Sanity or something like that. I, I think this card's good. I think it's it's got so much potential and it asks so little of you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go out of your way to play this card. It just costs one or a mana. Yeah. And... It's it just it can just take over the game at any point. Like if it just even even late in the game, like you're saying, like the dash ability, you just top deck it and just dash them and start drawing cards. Like you just got yourself a howling mine. Yeah. Yeah. I just ask so little of you, and it, it offers so much. It's it's impossible to play a reactive deck without a lot of ways to kill this. I think it might be okay. the point where like you play lava lava lightning bolt decks, start playing lava dart, even if they're not burn dedicated burn decks. I think something I just realized now, though, is that it's until end of turn you may cast that card. It doesn't say you can spend mana of any color. So you literally what, have to use the, the treasure. That's what the treasure's for. Yeah, yeah. I only realized that just now. Because I was thinking, like, oh, you attack it, a Lily Veil, cast that. Well, you have to have black mana on your own. So I think it's power. Maybe it's not as powerful as I was thinking of it was initially. But I still think this card's insane. Um, Just making treasure as a 2-1 and drawing cards. And maybe they actually tested it. Maybe it's it's balanced. It's a good point that you can't spend any mana. It's only this turn. Yeah. I think it's just just fixed enough. But at the same time, it's just... If you're playing a reactive deck and they just lead on this, it's just a nightmare. Yeah. It's not just the card advantage. It's the ramp as well. My, my, my hope is that the fact that it has dash makes me think that they played it without dash a bit and they felt like it wasn't strong enough, so they felt like they had to add dash, which means it's, you know, fine. So Turn maybe... two, you can put Luris into hand if you whiff. Right? That's nuts. Sorry, I, I don't want to keep banging no, on this card. I, mean, I think <laughs> it's pretty clear this guy's real good. How right. good remains to be seen. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to make the ultimate, and we're going to have three more cards to talk about all right okay. well, can i pick can i i'm gonna skip to the first one it's wait what the hell did just spoiled in the last like oh yeah <laughs> they spoiled Honestly, so many I, cards this is, why I wanted, this is why i want to do these ones and, and and call it there all right let's go okay i'm gonna lead off solitary confinement one white colors one white two colors Enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice solitary confinement unless you discard a card. Discard, skip your draw step. You have Shroud, so you can't really target spells or abilities. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you. Uh, this card is... For anyone who was playing you know, 15 years ago, this card is like prison, a prison player's dream. Uh, it combos really well with Life from the Loam and Cycling Lands. 
so that you can just never you never lose it. You can't be targeted and you can't you can't take damage. You just sit behind life in the loom and cycling lands forever. Um, card's really good in Enchantress, which is another card they've spoiled. They just spoiled Enchantress's presence, which is uh, a green and two colorless. Whenever you cast an enchantment, draw a card. The enchantment itself. I don't know. Solitary confinement's pretty boring card, but pretty powerful. Do you know that I almost won a GP with that card? As GP Alleel in like years ago, it was was it Legacy or was it still modern? Probably it wouldn't one point X maybe. Extend yeah, one point X extended. And I brewed that confinement deck and I actually like drew the last I needed a draw and I think I lost. I don't remember anyways that was that like assault loam as well? Yeah, no. So the deck had I had it was a control deck. I had confinement. I had squee in the deck. I had exploration, brainstorm, counterspell, forbid, force of will, intuition, four life from the loam, four sword to plowshares. How did I even kill them? I guess I de- I just deck people. Incredible. Just deck people. I logged them out with wasteland at some point. So you basically get confinement, and I protected with my counters, and I could pay for it with squee. It was a beauty. It was it was so cool. My deck was so good. I think the only games I lost were I don't even remember, but yeah. So you got Squee, you got can you protect it though? It's like it's kinda well, like Sterling Sterling Grove is, is being reprinted as well, which is yeah. other enchantments you control as Shroud. Yeah, I didn't have Sterling Grove, but it's kind of like if the format has a blind spot to these cards, if some decks just can't get rid of it, that, that deck was can be great and that's kind of the format back then, so yeah, that's that's a really cool card. Oh man! <laughs> they also yeah. we said it that disc is back. Nevenril's disc. I I own like old copies of Nevenril's disc. I'm not even sure. I'm sure I do own some. I don't even think I own Blackboard or the one though. I, but... I don't. I don't have any Blackboard. Dude, that so art. That I art is so ugly though. The new art. The old art is. Oh. <laughs> so the old the, the old when I was like. When I was a kid, I remember looking at that art and being reminded of the the creature that gave me nightmares in Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, where they throw they throw them into the pit in the desert. Return it's a sarlacc, I think is the name of the creature, but it's got this like mouth out of the sand and these tentacles and stuff like that. And that's what Nevin was just reminded me of that kind of like childhood nightmares. And I think this is just cool. Magic's a cool game, and yeah, I'm glad they're rebooting Nevin Rose's disc. It's not too powerful for modern by any means. So people who haven't seen it, it's four colorless artifact. It enters the battlefield tapped, and it says one one colorless and tap destroy all artifacts, creatures, and enchantments. So it's like a colorless like a wrath, or and it also deals with artifacts and enchantments. So any color can now kind of sweep the board. It leaves planeswalkers behind because obviously planeswalker wasn't a, cre- a card type when uh, in alpha, which is where disc was first printed. This is just a kind of iconic magic card that's very powerful, but like not too broken at the, by by this point in time in magic history. I wouldn't be surprised if this is playable though. Yeah, I mean it's really good. I think it's great that it it's a way that you can deal with Blood Moon if all your lands are not basics. So yeah, I nice, think it's definitely nice. going to see play. I mean, it's part of my. All-time favorite cards, just you know, mono blue control, just leaning all on the disc to get rid of permanents, hoping not to die before. Yeah, it, it's just iconic. It's an iconic magic card, and yeah, it's it really is. It's, it's so 
it's so powerful that I'm I'd be not I'd not be surprised if it's still relevant in a format as powerful as modern by 2020 standards or 2021 standards. Mm. But yeah. it's not going to be it's not OP or anything like that. That is by no means. But it's definitely a card that will have a role in the format. Did you guys mention that it doesn't destroy planeswalkers? Yeah, yeah. I said that planeswalkers hadn't been printed yet. Yeah. So yeah, it's actually great. Like you can set up your planeswalkers and your disc and like wrath everything else and leave your planeswalkers behind. That's like a, the most obvious kind of place yeah. to start. I just oh. it's a great magic card. Also for the lore, it's named after Larry Niven, who's a writer, I think. Yeah, I believe that's 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 correct. It's a so kind of reference to ne- one of their favorite ne- writers, the fantasy yeah, writers. Nevin Arales, Larry Nevin's upside down. So, anyways, all right, cool. Okay, so you said Sterling Grove got Enchantress Presence back. I don't think is that card not already modern legal? Enchantress no, Presence? No. But no, they, it wasn't. It wasn't modern legal. I, I don't think it's going to be good enough, right? Without as long as there's no Gar- Argosian Enchantress, I don't yeah. think Presence. Cuts yeah, the, it. the lack of two mana Enchantress is probably the last thing, that, the thing that's holding it, truly holding it back. Okay. Sure, Harry, do you want to talk about the last card on this list? Yeah. I saw a lot of people in Twitch chat kind of asking if we uh, talked about it. Yeah, we have not. It's Solitude. It's three colors and two white, so it's five mana. It's an elemental incarnation creature with flash and lifelink. And when it enters the battlefield, exile up to one other target creature. That creature's controller gains life equal to its power. It's got evoke to exile a white card from your hand, and it's a 3-2. So we got swords to plowshares here uh, in the force of will kind of rotation. Very interesting card. I don't think it's broken. People made it seem like it was broken, but I saw on the Twitch chat, I guess, some pre-hype. But is this card broken? I'm not, it's not I'm right. not impressed. Two, two cards to sword something, and you're ready yeah, to exile? Yeah, I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. Then five mana is a lot. You'll have to see how the game plays out with these four and five mana cards, like how relevant these bodies are later in the game. But the cost is really high. And the combo is ephemerate. Only works if they have already a bunch of creatures out. So card seems just fine to me. Just maybe a role player, maybe a little synergies. But I, I like that this is a nice closer as well against a deck like Again, against an, ag- an aggressive deck. Like if, if people are going to turn up with like tribals right now, like this is a nice a nice response to that. I wonder if the format's going to turn into this thing where or, or this kind of uh, dynamic where everyone's got access to so many kind of mana efficient plays that you it actually winds up being a kind of grindy attrition fest in the in in the long run. Like things actually bog down quite a lot in, in a similar way to how legacy works. Like people just trade resources in a flurry to begin the to begin the game. And then what happens out of that is actually kind of a kind of an attrition battle that 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 comes out of this low the initially low resource game. So cards like Solitude, like yeah, you can clean up card like prowess creatures early on in the game or like you know trade off trade off this and that. But towards the end it's actually really relevant that you've got this kind of necrotile essentially. That, that that ends the game, and in the similar way to cards like grief and also solitude, I I feel like we're probably heading this way where like people are just going to be so good at trading resources now in modern, all the colors will be that these kind of modal cards, essentially these the, you know the the evoke creatures, these moldrifters essentially will be, but they kind of reverse moldrifters actually, but um yeah they'll. They, they their flexibility will really 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 start to shine, and a, a five mana three two flash lifelink might actually be a perfectly modern, respectable modern creature. When all said and done, yeah, these kind of kind of weird vintage games where 
people just trade everything and then it's like whoever has yeah just dark off and then takes over exactly yeah. like yeah where they get yeah, the game down all like you know turn one kills are actually just kind of turn one turn one trading three cards for three cards and then suddenly it's kind of like you know who who actually ha- has the best kind of bridging plan yeah. yeah i can't believe we actually made it all the way through that stuff yeah it wasn't that bad we we could talk about S for Sentinel, new hate bear real quick. Or are you All done? Right, yet? All right. One one for white, artifact creature, human soldier. Whenever an open cast their first non creature spell each turn, draw a card, unless that player pays X where X is S for Sentinel power. So basically if you're on the play, you play that card. One one, your control opponent. If they have an opt in, in hand, if they cast it on turn one, boom, you draw a card. If they have fatal push or bolt, they want to kill it on turn one, boom, you draw a card. If not, they have to wait till turn two. Pay the extra mana, so you don't draw a card, but maybe you somehow pump your Sentinel, and now they have to pay two more. So, kind of hate bear. Is it good enough? Is there enough decks that you know? If there's too many decks that are all creature, I don't think you can really main deck that card. It's too weak. But if you know, it's actually like somewhat Lavadarch resilient. So this card just reminds me of that really, really annoying enchantment in Commander. That makes Mystic, you pay one. Mystic Remora or Mystic Sunny. Yeah, yeah, yeah I hate that. And I mean, this card if, reminds me of it. Yeah, imagine if you're playing Control and they go turn one, that turn two Thalia. Yeah, I mean, this card is so good. This card <laughs> is so good. I don't think it's so good. This is a 1-1. One, one. You don't actually have to kill it. But well, yeah, it you don't have, roll. Yeah, but if you don't kill it and you're trying to kill other creatures, you have to pay the tax or make them draw a card. Yeah, that's true. It, it does. It does if you're not killing well, it, it's, it's like a one-mana Thalia. Yeah, I mean, I think this card's probably fine. It's in a similar way to what we we're talking about with Richard, or what I mentioned with Richard and Dockhand as well. The one mana slot in these taxes decks is actually pretty weak. It's like a weak, a weak point, and so at least you get to lead the game off strongly here. It's a yeah. human. It's also a human, yeah. Oh my god! What? Who designed this card? This card is nuts. Sorry, this this might be the, one of the best cards. Because yeah, it's just being There's a no cyborg card, but yeah. It's just like a shield bearer, right? See, that's why we have to play Solitude. So now we have a creature that kills that card, and you don't have to pay. You know, you don't get taxed because it's non-creature or it's a creature. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right. right. I think we've we've well and truly. All right. Plumbed the that being said, Life on the Line was Modern Horizon Two. What are you guys playing? Boom! Tomorrow, Modern Horizons legal. You have a tournament for your life. Was this card's full so far? Oh my god, what am I playing? Um I'm coming I'm coming with Ragavan Red. Ragavan Red. Represent. Ragga Ragga Ragavan. Ragga Ragga Ragavan. I'm definitely bringing I'm bringing my counter spell. <laughs> I'm just bringing counter spells, lightning bolts, maybe some lava dots here to clean up some ragavans. Bring my own ragavans. That's what I'm doing. Okay, what about you, Gab? I was talking about Miracles last week was the Brainstorm artifact and Counterspell. Has that changed? Actually, we forgot a card because it was in Asian on the on the list and we scrolled through it. I, I'm I'm playing Merfolk. You get the one drop. We didn't talk about the, the new Lord. Free four indestructible. If you have two other Merfolk, when it attacks, you draw a card. That card's ridiculous. Other Merfolks you control have Ward 1. 
Zvillion, God of Sea and Sky. How did we yeah. skip that card? That might actually be like one of the best cards full so far. Yeah, it's possible that it is, but I'll just never rolls disc it away. Well, as indestructible, right? It, Wait, it stays in play, right? If Wait, what's it called? Two, it's blue, blue one, three, four, legendary, legendary creature, Merfolk God. If you control two other Merfolks, it has indestructible. Yes, it will. It will remain in play if I have, if if he disc it. When it attacks, you draw a card, and other Merfolk you control have Ward One. It's like the the questing beast of of Merfolk. They kept adding text until it was like there was no more room in text. Like that card is like ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. This card is actually absolutely absurd. I'm gonna be bringing something that can kill it. <laughs> it draws a card. This card's better than the last one. What the? <laughs> Who designed this card? Who designed this? I want to speak to their manager. I want to speak to their manager. What? I like that. I'm glad it says other Merfolk have Ward One. Oh, thank God, this guy's really good. You know what? It doesn't beat Terminus. I'll still be miracling Terminus. Let's go, blue white control. <laughs> Suspend fairy, the brainstorm artifact. Right. All right. Well, Harry, you want to take us out? Okay, Gab, where can we find you on the internet? Twitch.tv slash yellowhats, Twitter at Gab Nassif. Pat, what about you? You can find me refreshing Mythic Spoiler to see what other absolute bang is they're spoiling. Trade one writer. It's please, 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 please. Okay, you can find me tomorrow doing an eight hour stream, hopefully. I'm going to be recording loads for YouTube, so go check out my YouTube, I guess, Harry MGG. And. So- we should also thank you for anyone who made it this far into the episode. Two hours almost, the episode was. Respect if you made it this far in. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Appreciate it. Just clicking a few buttons helps. Yeah, don't forget to delete your, delete your review if we call you out. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you. Later. Take care, everyone.